All right, our Pet Chat team are here once again. Dr. Kimberly Earl, good afternoon to you. Good young afternoon, lady. happy to be here. Absolutely. And Cheryl Shaw, the lady that uh, always makes us do a little bit of testing to start with. We're on Cheryl's brooch watch today. What do you think it is, Mark? Is that, see, I can't even see with it. Even with my reading glasses, I can't see. It's pretty bad. Is that a mushroom? <laughs> it is. Oh, well done. Uh, You've done very well today. All right. So what are we, it's a, a, a stew? Is that what we're doing? No, no, no. no. We're no? going to be looking at um, fungi, toadstools, mushrooms, and the effect on our pets. All right. We'll get into that. Thank you, ladies. Have a chat with our pet chat team today. Dr. Kimberly Earl is here, as is Cheryl Shaw, who's getting down in the muck today. Down Cheryl, in the muck. Down in the, all the fungusy stuff or yeah. fungi or fungi, follow it, fungi, mm-hmm. uh, with that nice little mushroom brooch you've got today. So yeah. have at it, Cheryl. Okay. Well, this weather that we're having, other than today with the rain, we've been having a lot of dew of the morning. You get up and the grass is really dewy. And that's providing a really wonderful habitat for our fungi and our mushrooms and toadstools to all be popping up. Now, they're in our lawn, they're in our mulch and our leaf litter and around our gardens. And also when you're out and about, they're in the paths, they're in the nature strip, they're in the bush. So when you've got your dog out and about, you need to be really vigilant at the moment because some dogs are very inquisitive as to what's on the ground. Often these, um, some of the particular um, mushrooms give off odour and some of them can be quite um, powerful, really like rotten meat and dogs are attracted to that. So they'll go along and sniff at these mushrooms or or toadstools and this can be a a problem. Some of them are like little puffballs as well and those puffballs, if dogs sniff them, can tend to um, put the spores up into their nasal um, cavity. So we need to be making sure that if we know there's mushrooms around that we're keeping our pets away from them. Not only are dogs allergic and, and can get toxic toxicity from mushrooms but so can cats. So we need to make sure that if we notice something to make sure you remove that fungi from your area. Now don't go just kicking it away because if you've got a dog the dog's likely to chase after whatever you <laughs> kicked out of sight. So pick it up and put it in a plastic bag and dispose of it. That's going to stop a lot more I'm coming up you know around the area but if your pet does chew on one or it eats one make sure that you go to the vet straight away if you can take that mushroom or whatever it was that fungi with you if it's it may be the cap this the stem um, you know the whole thing you may need to take some pictures of other ones if the dog has ingested it and there's nothing else there just so that identification can happen when you're at the veterinarian have you had that situation Kim with anyone coming in with photographs or parts of mushrooms I haven't had anybody actually bring me the mushrooms but it's really common for us to see around um, wet and soggy sort of periods of the year where a dog comes in for an unidentified you know cause of vomiting diarrhea um, illness abdominal pain sometimes they're really really abdominally um, uncomfortable Um, or you know they're just not quite right and we do some blood work and we find that their liver enzymes are elevated and when we start questioning the owners have you got mushrooms in the backyard they'll go and have a look through the back garden and go yeah actually there's lots of here I didn't see Um, and so we definitely see problems you know related to to mushrooms and dogs some of them are more much more toxic than others Um, to be honest I'm not a I'm not a fungiologist. I don't know what the word what what the right word would be. Um, My, micro, not that one. <laughs> microologist. Microologist is the person who identifies fungi. Mycologist. Yeah, Mycologist. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the the trouble is, is that like obviously some mushrooms are edible and mm. others are really not. Um, and in our pets, they don't 
they can't tell the difference. And really, as a general practitioner vet, I can't tell the difference. But we certainly see um, significant problems in the varieties that tend to grow in most people's backyard. And so I would always err on the side of caution. I did it um, two days ago. I went through my backyard and found that I had, I don't know, two dozen little mushrooms growing up. And I try to pick them from the stem yes. right from the bottom. They often come out of the ground pretty easily. Mm. They end up in my green waste bin before my dog can get to them. So. Yeah. Mm. And I think this is an important thing just to be aware of what is in your garden because, you yeah. know, your dog's going out to go to the toilet and suddenly they're sniffing the ground and they may have consumed mm -hmm. that. So just being, you know, vigilant about this time of the year in particular where that the ground is, um, is cool wet. and it's wet and that's just the ideal environment for these to be popping up. Mm -hmm. I know at my place I get these really alien-looking ones. They're red and they look like sea anemones. Yeah, cool. They're called um, stinkhorns and mm. they they just look awful but they smell so so foul. Mm. The dogs would so love that. So the dogs go up to them, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So trying to remove those and they seem to pop up just, you know, you, you've removed them one day and they're back again yeah, the next day. Yeah, mushrooms are really fast growing um, and if you think about mould on a bread even, you know, like you get one little dot one day and if you leave it sitting on the kitchen bench the next day it's the size of a five or ten cent piece, right? Well, it grows that's my really, lunch, really, really fast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. But I mean, mushrooms are a really fast growing organism. Yeah. Um, so it's nothing for them to grow. A little mushroom to grow one to two centimeters in a 24 hour period is really nothing, um, you know, no skin off their back. They just, they do it. So you have to go, if you know you've got mushrooms in your backyard, going through on a daily basis and sort of checking those areas because they tend to sort of grow in clusters because yes. they like to spore, you know, sporulate and, and they drop spores. And so where they've been in the past tends to be where they come up again yeah and I mean some are, some are okay but there's some that not and we just don't know which ones are going to be the ones I mean the the death cap is the one that we do know is toxic straight mm. away you know there's no coming back from that one but it's just not worth the risk removing them they are beautiful to photograph I mean I think they're really lovely but oh, we just got to watch our cats and dogs yeah, with these. This last week or so, Kimberly, a lot of skin issues floating through to the uh, veterinary clinics. What's happening? Yeah, well, just it's probably just the way my week has gone, but um, I've seen lots of different skin cases this week. Um, the damp weather probably contributes to it. I know that little dogs licking their feet for me right now. I've got lots of people coming in saying he's chewing on his feet, he's licking his feet. Um, and my own dog, I've been listening to her doing that through the night as well. Um, and I think the wet grass really contributes, you know, when it's We've had rain and then the, the grass is wet and dewy. Um, and we were talking about mushrooms. So what lots of dogs will get is yeast on their feet. Now, yeast is actually a kind of fungi. And the yeast that animals or that dogs particularly get on their skin is a Malassezia yeast. And it's meant to be there on the skin in very low numbers, but it should be pretty benign, not, not very active, not doing very much. But when you get an environment where the skin is wet and warm, so if you think of a feet, that's where dogs um, you know, sweat from, they lose a lot of heat from there. So you get an environment that's damp and warm, it's the perfect growing substrate for bacteria and yeast in particular. Um, and so what then happens is these normal yeasts that are on the skin, they overgrow. And I always think about, you know, the pictures you see on TV or on the social media of the bacteria, how you start with one little bacteria and they just swarm. Now, yeast don't quite grow quite that same way or quite that fast, but it's still pretty quick. And they overgrow on the dog's feet and they make the skin irritated they cause an inflammatory reaction which causes the skin to be itchy and sore and what do you think the dog does he doesn't have a way to scratch it he doesn't know what's going on so he licks at his feet which makes the skin 
wet and warm. And then the cycle is really vicious and propagates itself. And so lots of people will come to me and say, oh, my dog's got licky, you know, sort of feet. And there's lots of things you can do at home um, just to sort of try to stop that cycle from, from coming in. So I always tell people when the dog comes in from outside, if the dog is an inside dog, um, have an old towel sitting by the door, wipe their feet off. Get right in the nooks and crannies in between the toes and in between the pads. Um, have a look. Hopefully your dog will actually let you have a look there. If it's not red, we're good to go. Just dry the feet. Try to distract the dog so he's not licking them. Um, you're good to go. But if the dog's feet are really red, you might already be past the point where just drying the feet off and, and keeping the dog away is enough to settle it down. At that point, the dog might need some anti-inflammatory um, cream or even a medicated wash to try to get the infection under control. Um, and one of the best things you can do is to stop the dog from licking. So putting the cone of shame on, some sort of a donut <laughs> collar. Um, I've had some people put little socks on, you know, those sorts of things that can be really helpful. Anything we can do to stop that cycle from continuing on because the dog is still licking at the feet can be really, really helpful. In a really mild case um, where the feet aren't too red, but you're just starting to get um, a little bit of, um, you know, that brown staining and things like that, you may be able to just do uh, like an Epsom salts bath on the feet um, where you just do a fairly strong um, uh, mix of just Epsom salts with some warm water, stand the dog's feet in it for, you know, two to three minutes and then towel dry it off. And the Epsom salts has a bit of an osmotic um, effect on the on the yeast and can, you know, sort of stop that sort of propagation. So that's something you could do at home. But remember, um, if you think it would sting your hand or a cut on your hand to put your hand in that Epsom salt water, it will hurt your dog. So if the feet are that red, if they're looking bloody, if they're cracked, scabby, probably not a good idea you probably need to come and see one of one of myself or my colleagues or anyone around who has a veterinary degree who can help you out yeah with that like stuff. i said if it's if it's that point you've passed the point you've of passed no the return point. yeah 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 around here of course kim uh, dr kimberly early is here as is cheryl shaw now have a question for you ladies in a minute but yep. before we do i'll just get, get very excited <laughs> because coming up in a little while we normally do the dog of the week yes but finally finally <laughs> We're doing a cat of the week. Cat of the week. We're going to try to do it every few weeks. Absolutely. And and we it's a double. You get two for one. How Ooh. cool is that? Excellent. So, like, I, I might just even phone up myself and take them home. <laughs> now, Mark, this is the problem because you can't rescue all the cats I know, yourself. I know. We call that hoarding. <laughs> no. It'd be the crazy dog lady that's yeah. not a lady. Um, Peter from Maryland did ring up a couple of minutes ago. Now, he has a question for you. Yep. Um, the price of a cyst removal operation on his dog, he was quoted $1,000 versus 550 for dissecting the same dog, asking why the difference. So ah. maybe you can add some thoughts. Yeah. So this is interesting because as a veterinarian, um, we've shot ourselves in the foot a little bit, I think. Um so when we do desexings on pets, now these are actually particularly for a female dog. I don't know what his dog is, male or female, um, but that surgery is an ovariohysterectomy. I've had a friend have one of those recently, so that's where they take we take out the ovaries and the uterus of the dog. Um, I've had a friend, a human friend, have one of those recently. She spent five days in hospital. Can you believe that? It's a major, major surgery. Um, but out of the goodness of our hearts, our industry has um, been in the habit of saying, we want to make these inexpensive for people so that we get them done. So we know that there's a lot of really good health benefits for the dogs for doing it. But we also know that if we dissect dogs, we can really curb the um, overpopulation of 
you know, I mean, there's already so many pets that don't have homes. If we had all these dogs running around being able to make babies, then we'd have way more dogs. We'd be, you know, and cats, and we'd be really, really overrun. Well, Cheryl so, will just be having more dogs at her place. So, yeah. that's, so as your an David industry, says no. we have taken what's actually a quite a complex and difficult um, surgery for female dogs. It's a little bit less straight, uh, a little bit more straightforward for male dogs. But either way, as a service and as an industry, we have said, and, and this is pretty well worldwide, we've said, we're going to perform these desexing procedures at a discounted rate so that people get them done. Because if nothing else, we want to stop, you know, these dogs from from reproducing and cats from reproducing. Um, and so, Peter, what you're actually seeing is that the true cost of the surgery is what you've been quoted for your sister lump removal for your dog. And the desexing is the actual discounted price, despite the fact that it's Probably well, it depends on the on the location and things like that. But it's as hard, if not harder, a surgery. Um, if we actually build out a desexing at the cost that it, you know, the the normal surgical um, theater rates and the anesthesia rates and things like that, um, it would be well over a thousand dollars. In fact, it would probably be closer to. Um, I don't know, fifteen hundred, three thousand, depending on the clinic and depending on the age and breed and size of the dog and things like that. Um, and that price is reflected often in when we're doing emergency C sections on dogs, things like that, where we actually do those are quite complex. They're very labor intensive. They're often happening in an emergency situation, um, and those are, are billed out at the appropriate price. But if you can imagine, you know, little old ladies down the road and and the average family. Um, coming up with that kind of money to desex the dog, which is something that we consider quite routine. And we want to be encouraging of that because we feel that it's good for society and for the, you know, for the animals. Um, it, it wouldn't happen. And so, yeah, as an industry, um, that's what we have done. Um, but then the other side of that, you know, is that um, Peter's sort of saying, so why does it cost so much to take a lump off my dog? Um, well, it's actually just that the desexing was the, consider it a discount um, and the desex gotcha. and, the, and the lump removal price is the actual true price for that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right, so it's tricky. Yeah, best of luck, Peter. Mm. Cheryl, you got some <laughs> thoughts? No, you're just well, pondering some, away? Sometimes with these um, cyst removal as well, there's histo and things like that Absolutely. that have got to be taken into account. So it's not just mm. about removing a lump. It's right. It's a That's little right. bit more than that. Yeah. So the, I know that our pathology, so we can't, um, we don't have the right equipment and skills and expertise to, once we've taken the cyst or the lump off, to actually look at it from a microscopic level and, and determine what kind of cell type it is, what kind of tissue type, what kind of cancer it is. We have to send that out to the lab. Um, and that cost to send That's it out right. to the lab is usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 to $350 for the lab to process the sample, to look at it, and for a pathologist to get back to us. And so oftentimes that's built into the price of the lump removal um, because most of us believe that if it's worth taking off, it's worth knowing what it is. It's going to give us some peace of mind if it comes back as being something really benign. And if it comes back as being something really nasty, it's going to give us a, an option potentially to plan how we're going to deal with it. So so have we got something that's likely to come back at the site because maybe we didn't get the whole thing because there's sometimes there's little microscopic little fingers of cancer that have um, moved out into the tissues? Or do we need to go looking for it to be in a lymph node or in another area? Or are we going to expect that it's going to recur? There are some lumps that by the time we identify them on the skin or on the outside of the dog, there's a high chance that they've already metastasized into the lungs of the dog. And so 
if we get one of those back on the pathology, um, then we know we should probably start, you know, monitoring the, the dog um, chest x-rays to make sure that they don't have cancer in the lungs or monitoring their spleen and liver to make sure that there aren't um, secondary samples there, uh, secondary tumours there. So, yeah, it's really helpful. To WRFM 103.7, a couple of minutes left for you to get your question answered by our Cracker Jack Pet Chat team today, both wearing vests. You ladies are Dr. Oh, well, Kimberly Earl and Cheryl kind of Shaw. Yeah, it is it's a little bit cool out there. Meanwhile, I'm still here with a t-shirt. The fan directed on me. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. I'm a cold body. No, like, oh, no, last night cold. No, not cold. Window open, rain coming. It was great. Oh no, no. Um, look, while we get a couple of calls coming through, a couple coming there now on four nine two one six two one six. We know we've done the dog of the week, Cheryl. Yes. But now we have. This is my time. Oh, okay. I'm so happy for you. I really am. I might end up adopting two cats by the time we're done. We have a cat of the week, and they're a, a bit of a tag team. This is Shadow and Hope. Now, Shadow is the mum, and Hope is the uh, is the kitten. Now, they even though they both look very similar, she was young when she when she had Hope. Um, two black cats, very very gorgeous, and uh, one's sort of nice and timid, likes to be cuddled. And uh, the other one likes to sort of play around and follow. Now they're doing pretty well in the uh, foster home at the moment uh, with the dog, with the other grand- the kids, and everything as well. Um, nice big home filled with plenty of love, comfort, and and they love places to hide and feel safe. Rooms with large windows, <laughs> sliding doors, or a balcony with a view. In other words, they're out rent. They're out shopping for a rental property. I think these cats. Um, but the girls are both great with dogs and children. So. That's a huge bonus, provide your dogs and children are fine with cats. Cats, that's right. Yes, yep. It's really important. So these two look like they want to go together, which is mm. good because um, you don't always get to uh, have mixed cats together, but these two are good together, which is really nice. Well, that's the thing. Uh, you had sort of told me before we started, um, Kimberly, that, you know, sometimes cats, they, they, like, no, they don't like other cats, but obviously these have, you know, been bonded since day one. So yep. they're very much... Uh, the other way around, we don't want to separate them. They've got to go together. That's right, yeah. Um, and it says they need to be kept inside. So we would always recommend that anyway. Um, but, yeah, keeping these guys inside is going to be important. Um, and it's a lot safer for cats to be inside cats anyway. So Absolutely. Mm. So, again, a couple of pair of black cats. They look gorgeous. You can find uh, the info up on our website uh, at the Pet Chat page, of course. And uh, you can follow the links all the way through to Hunter Animal Rescue uh, if you would like to add Shadow and Hope to your family. Well, uh, a big uh, show with the ladies, the vested up ladies, Cheryl Shaw, <laughs> Dr. Kimberly Earl as well. Um, but we did have a call just come through a couple of minutes back. Yep. Uh, Brian from Adamstown, he's got his cavoodle and it's shaking its head a lot. This is a fairly recent phenomenon. So any thoughts on what that might be for Brian? Yeah, so lots of different things that can be going on, particularly if it's just started up recently. Um, The first thing I would do is have a look inside the ear. And what you're looking for is whether the skin inside the ear, the flap of the ear is red, inflamed, stinky. Is he smelling anything? Is there any um, brown, dirty sort of discharge happening there? Because that's often a sign that we've got a yeast um, or an ear infection. I shouldn't say yeast infection, an ear infection. Ear infections in dogs can be yeasty, like we were talking with the feet, or they can be bacterial. Now, the yeast is actually the more common one. And sometimes as they get progressively worse, 
worse, there will become bacterial infections. Can be one ear or it can be both ears. We do certainly see dogs that will get things down into their ears sometimes as well. Um, but you're not likely to be able to see that without the aid of an otoscope and sometimes without the aid of um, sedation to actually get down in there. But the first thing I would do, Brian, would be to um, flip the ears back and have a look. And if one side is redder than the other or dirtier than the other or smellier than the other, then you've probably got a one-sided ear infection and you need to get into a vet because the vet will want to take a little sample um, of the debris and have a look down there um, and determine whether it is a bacteria or a yeast infection so that we can put them on the right thing or they can put them on the right thing. If the sides look the same but you're seeing redness, scabbing, blood, dirty sort of stuff there. Um, if the ear uh, skin even looks just a little bit sort of thickened, we call it cobblestone, where it sort of looks um, a little bit um, pebbly or rough, um, that is probably also a sign of an infection. So you want to get into your vet um, with that dog. Um, and the, the problem is, is if we keep shaking our head, shaking our head, shaking our head, uh, you can break the blood vessels in the flap of the ear and cause a bleed inside the ear in between the skin and the cartilage of the ear. Um, and that's called an oral hematoma. And it often, um, or quite often, can require surgery to correct that. So you want to do it before it gets to that point. It's pretty uncomfortable for the dogs as well. All right, best of luck with all of that, Brian and Adams Town with your Cavoodle. Dr. Kimberly Earl, thank you so much for all of that today. Very welcome. And Cheryl Shaw, who you, you got us on this fungi all kind of track today, and we kind of stayed we there, didn't we? All fungi we did. and yeasty today, didn't yes. we? <laughs> theme. Maybe we have to start thinking of a theme for the week. <laughs> there you go. Hop to it, ladies. Uh, more pet chat again next uh, Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>